0: Hello there, Northridge Church. It is such a blessing to be with you guys this morning. How about that song that Evan just sang? Wasn't that fun? What great encouragement. I promise you this is going to be stuck in your head all week long, and next week you're going to wake up and get yourself to church. But also the worship this morning, what a powerful experience just to be together in the presence of God. So glad that you guys are here this morning. Uh, Just to introduce myself, my name is Jeff Black, and I have the privilege of being the Brighton campus pastor, and I want to give a shout out. (laughs) To all of our regional campuses, uh, Brighton and Graciel, we love you guys. So glad that you're part of this family. And for those of you who are watching online, thank you so much for connecting with us. We're glad that you're here as well. What a great morning to to just come together, share together, and I'm excited to be here. Just to give you a brief history of my story, uh, my family and I were called back to Northridge Church three years ago. In fact, let me introduce my family to you right now. You can see them up on the screen. That's my beautiful wife, Selena. And we have four kids, Gibson, Ashton, Riley, and Lincoln. And yes, that's four kids, and they're actually all sitting in the front row. So if anything I say about them embarrasses them, you'll hear them groan. But we have three teenagers, and our youngest is nine. And so you can imagine, life can be hectic at times, but we are really enjoying this season of our lives with them. The reason why I said we were called back to Northridge Church is because I actually grew up in this church. In fact, 30 years ago, this fall, my mom and my dad took my brother, my sister, and I, we packed up from sunny Southern California, and we moved all the way to snowy Detroit, Michigan, because they're answering a call in their lives where they were taking a position here at Temple Baptist Church, which is now Northridge Church. And I'm so proud of my parents. They're still very active serving in the church. My dad is still on staff. And it's been an amazing experience, although at the time I was a little upset as a seventh grader having to move to Michigan. But I've seen God work in our lives as a result of that. Now, now being a pastor's kid, um, here's the truth. When your dad works for the church, whenever the doors are open you're there, (laughs) and usually when the doors are closing, you're kind of the last ones to leave, and so even though we're forced to be a part of the church, I've experienced such blessing in my life uh, as a result of being connected and active in our church, and, and as an extension, my family has, has been a blessing and experienced god 's blessings as being a part of the church. so so I grew up here. I have some of my lifelong friends that i 've met here right in our youth group. My wife and I were married right on this stage twenty years ago this year, and two of my children were dedicated. yeah, praise God for that my wife needs a hand for that one. But two of my children were dedicated right here in this church. And although when we were dating, I made a promise to her that I was not going to follow in the footsteps of my dad. I was not going to become a pastor or be in full-time ministry. It's kind of funny how God changes your plans when he has different plans in mine. Uh, but so now I'm a pastor at, at our campus in Brighton. And in a, a twist of events, my wife is also in ministry as well as a children's director out there. But it's been really cool to see my kids and my family being involved in the local church like I was. Now, I also made a promise to myself when I was younger that I would never do to my kids what my parents did to us, you know, told us to serve in the church, and I'm sorry, kids, not sorry, but that's been the reality that you guys have faced. Yeah, that's right, but it's great to see them active in the church because they get to experience and grow in their gifts that God has given them, and in fact, this coming week, they're going to be serving here at our kids' camp all week long, and We're very excited about that. But but here's what's happened. As a result of our family making a priority, making a habit, if you will, of connecting with the church and being active is that we get to experience growth in our faith. And that's something that I wanna talk to you guys about. You saw the title of the talk. It's called Kick the Habit. And I'm going to talk to you guys about habits and how they relate to our lives and and what they do, and especially the bad habit that we need to kick, which I've seen in in our Christianity today is a a trend, where more and more of Christians are not making it a habit to be active and growing in the church. That's what I want to talk to you guys about today. And really, I've noticed some bad habits developing, even in our family's life, over the last 18 months. Now over the last 18 months was the pandemic, and I just wanna start by saying this. I realize it's a, such a sad season, a tragic, so much loss and hurt, and and it's still a lot of confusion going on today. So as I'm commenting about what we experienced in the pandemic, please don't, don't think that I'm trying to take it lightly in any way. I just wanna share with you some observations that, that we've discovered as it relates to the talk that I wanna talk about today. So in, in March of 2020, We had shutdown and lockdown, and my family noticed uh, one thing right off the bat, that we had developed a bad habit of being overly busy. I mean, between church events and school events and sporting events, I mean, we were always on the go. We hardly ever ate dinner together. Maybe we'd see each other once or twice during the week, and now we're in lockdown, and it was a little bit scary. There was a lot of confusion. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we decided we wanted, my wife and I decided we wanted to start a good habit of spending intentional quality time with our kids. We wanted that to be the reality of our lives. So we said, let's do that. Let's be intentional and spend quality time with the kids. Well, unfortunately for my kids, my love language is telling jokes. In fact, I really like to tell really corny jokes. And so I see it as my calling, if you will, as a father to make my kids laugh. You know, like when we're driving to school or we're waiting for the bus, especially with teenagers, they might be a little groggy in the morning. It's, it's my goal to make them smile. And if I get a laugh or a groan, I feel like I've done my, my dad duty for the day, all right? And I was given a gift by my sister a while ago, and folks, this is the gift that keeps on giving literally, it is a collection of dad jokes, in fact, 365 of them, one for every day of the year. So part of my commitment to be intentional with my kids was I want to start telling them daily dad jokes. Well, luckily for them, that only lasted two weeks, so it was a habit that was quickly broken. But, but it's a great thing, though. Would you guys like to hear what today's dad joke is? Oh, okay, I'm glad I was going to tell you anyways. But, uh, So what do you call a guy with a rubber toe? Roberto. (laughs) You're welcome, dads. That's a free one. You want to use that on your kids as often as you can. But we noticed the thing. We wanted to start good habits during the pandemic season. But a lot of those good habits that we started, as the weeks and the months, and then the months rolled on, they started falling to the wayside. The thing is, when good habits that we start fall to the wayside, bad habits often step into their place. And I know that's not just the case of me and my family. It happened all across America. In fact, the other day I read this, the top five bad habits that Americans developed during the pandemic. See if you can relate to any of these. Bad habit number one, panic slash boredom eating comfort foods. Can you guys relate to that? (laughs) Okay. Bad habit number two, Social media and TV binging. Anybody do that? Binge on social media and TV. And what's the best thing to do while you binge on social media or TV? Panic, boredom, eating comfort food, right? Bad habit number three, a total lack of structures and boundaries. Okay, check. Bad habit number four, not exercising. And here's the thing, when you're not exercising, what do you fill that time doing? Panic, boredom, eating comfort foods. Okay, and finally, bad habit number five, letting go of all of our good habits. Folks, did I mention also panic, boredom, eating comfort food? All right, These are bad habits that Americans have noticed that have been developed over the past 12 months. And and bad habits have a a really bad consequence. And one of the things that that we noticed that that I mentioned is this. I, I desired to grow during the pandemic, but because of panic, boredom, eating, comfort foods, I started to grow during the pandemic. So my wife and I decided we wanted to change up our habits and start the new habit of eating well. So the breakfast before, all right, and during pandemic, my breakfast consisted this, eggs, bacon, sausage, waffles, French toast, some of y'all are getting hungry, cinnamon toast, and, and really all of that was just one breakfast, okay? That was just what I ate for one breakfast. Whatever was comfortable, whatever was convenient, whatever I wanted to eat, well, that's what I ate because it was there, But you see, that habit developed a bad consequence. So we wanted to change that up. I just want to describe to you what our breakfast looks like now. Okay, first we start off with a handful of blueberries. Blueberries are good. They're yummy. Uh, Next, we take a a good dose of strawberries. A lot of strawberries here. You guys didn't know we were going to do cooking with Jeff today, did you? Um, Also, what we add to this, a banana. Banana's really healthy. Okay, also in here we have oh yes, can't forget this, quarter of an avocado. Makes it creamy, okay? If you like guacamole, it's really good to add. But the final ingredient, and honestly, anybody who came up with this idea has some serious problems. Who adds spinach to your breakfast food? Like, who came up with that? That's awful, right? But uh, okay, if it's healthy, you know, I feel like Popeye here, but we'll add some spinach to this. We then put some almond milk in it, and we mix it up in a blender, and what comes out? Looks like this. It's, it's a fruit smoothie, okay, folks? It's, it's pretty good. Fruit smoothie. Well, okay, there's some spinach in there, but all right. It's a fruit smoothie. Now, why am I sharing with you our breakfast habits? It's because of this. My wife and I wanted to start a new habit to get a better result. Now, I don't want to drink this breakfast smoothie every morning. It's not convenient. It's not comfortable. But I desire a different outcome from what I was getting based on my bad habits. So bad habits can take a toll on our lives, and we need to kick the habit. And today, the habit that I want us to focus on kicking out of our lives is disengaging with the local church. What are habits? Well, we we all know what what habits are about. They're really the small decisions that you and I make each and every day that influence or impact the actions that we perform. Did you know this? Habits are the result of 40% of our day. So every day, day in and day out, 40% or in waking hours, 6.4 hours is really a result of our habits, what we do. In, In essence, our life could be summed up in our habits. You know, we talk about things being a force of habit. Like the other day, I was, I was driving Lincoln, my nine-year-old, to school, and we drove right past the exit on the freeway to get off. And here he is, nine years old. He's like, um, D- Dad, what are you doing? we got to get out the freeway for my school. And I'm like, goodness, I was, I was actually driving to the church because it was a force of habit, right? Habits can shape our lives. Here's the thing. Are you happy or unhappy? Are you successful or unsuccessful? Are you in shape, or are you out of shape? Is your spiritual life thriving, or is it falling to the wayside? All of this can be a result of our habits. Habits form the the person that we are, the the things that we believe, and they even affect our personality. When you can transform your habits, you can really transform your life. Did you know it, it takes 21 days to start a new habit? And then it takes 90 days to solidify that into a lifestyle. If you think back, over the pandemic, that was 18 months, we could have essentially started 18 new habits if we would have put them into action. How many of you guys started 18 new good habits? Okay, yeah, me me either, right? It's sad to say that that's the reality. But bad habits, when when we don't have good habits in our lives, bad habits come into place. And once one starts, it's like a domino effect. One starts and then another bad habit, then another bad habit and they take a toll on our lives, right? For instance, if we look around in our society today, the bad habits that Americans have adopted during the pandemic has taken a toll on our society. There was a a recent study done in a a poll of people, and what was was learned from this study was that Americans were adopting coping behaviors to, to deal with the stress from the pandemic, and really, these were bad habits that were impacting their lives negatively. And there were two main areas that they were reporting on, one was eating habits and alcohol and drug use habits. And and here's what the study showed. 42% of the people who were polled responded and said this. They had gained weight during the pandemic with an average of 29 pounds. Now, this is unwanted weight gain with an average of 29 pounds. 50% of those 42% said that they had gained more than 50 pounds wow, this is a bad habit behavior with a negative result. Also, alcohol and drug use is on the rise because 23% had developed a a habit of using more alcohol to cope with stress. 19% increased their smoking. 15% increased in vaping. And then 13% increased in non-medical drug use as a coping mechanism for the stress during the pandemic. What's What's the reality? What's happened? Look around us. Anxiety is is on the rise. Depression rates are, are high. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. We are in bad shape as a result of our bad habits. The same for Christians who are disengaging with the local church Our habits will shape our lives. If being a part of the local church and investing in your faith and making God a habit in your life is not the reality, then we're gonna be in some bad shape and we need to kick the habit. Here's the tension that I wanna bring up that I've noticed in our society and amongst Christians it's become convenient or even optional to have the church be a part of our lives. It's become convenient and even optional. To have the church be a part of our lives. And many of us, we believe that we can thrive in our faith without the church. We feel like we can thrive in our faith without the church. And it's not true, folks. Did you know this? Two-thirds of all practicing Christians pre-COVID, only two, or two-thirds of practicing Christians are not active in attending their pre-COVID church. Did you catch that? That means only one out of three people are still actively attending their pre-COVID church. That's a sad reality. Now, some of the two-thirds might be attending other churches or they might be watching online, but a vast majority of those two-thirds have stopped attending church altogether. The truth is this, folks. During the pandemic, it was more likely for Christians to kick church out of their life than to stay connected and growing in church. That's a sad reality for our church today. Now, I've talked to a lot of people about coming back to church and, and their reasons for not coming back, and everyone can share different reasons and, and excuses. And, and I, I like to refer to people's excuses as their butts, okay? You know, like I, I'd go back to church, but, right? And, and here's the truth everybody's got butts. Some butts are bigger than other butts. But, here's the truth, all buts get in the way, right? All of our reasons and our excuses, our buts, if you will, get in the way. And when they get in the way of being active in church, they're getting in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Don't let your buts get in the way. You know, I, I was reading this the other day and I thought it was really funny. What if we used our excuses for not going to church for other things in life like what if we used our church excuses for not going to pro sports events all right maybe we would say this I'm not going to any pro sports events because every time I go they ask me for money I don't want to go to pro sports events because the referees are always making decisions that I don't agree with what about this one sometimes the games go into overtime and I'm late getting to lunch Some of you might be checking your watches right now. What time are we done here? Well, here's another excuse. My parents took me to too many sports games when I was a kid. I'm not going to take my kids to pro sports games because they need to be able to decide which sports they want to follow on their own. How about this one? The games are just not convenient for my schedule. Or I'd rather watch pro sports events from the comfort of my home because, I mean, I I still get the same experiences when I'm there. The truth is there's always gonna be a reason. There's always gonna be a but that gets in the way of what God wants to do in your life. That goes all the way back to the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve in the garden. God had a plan for them, but they disobeyed. Don't believe in the lie that says whatever is convenient, whatever is comfortable, that's what you need to lead into when it pulls you away from what God has for you. So we need to kick the habit of not making church a priority in our lives. Now, I, I realize this. I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, right? You guys are all here in person. You woke up and got yourself to church. Hey, 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 yeah. I realize. They, 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 they asked me not to do that, but hey, you're welcome. All right. But you guys are here, and, and you're, you're connected. So, so while we're talking today, though, I really want you to be reflecting on a few things. First, this question. Where would you be without the church? Where would I be without the church? And secondly, I really want you to evaluate your, your current commitment to this local church body. And Here's a few categories I want you to be thinking about. Ask God to reveal this. Are you currently faithfully connected and growing in your church? Are you attending regularly? Are you attending only when it's convenient for your schedule? Are you attending online only? Or maybe this is your first time in church. Be reflecting on that and ask yourself that question, where would you be without the church? Now, now let me stop by saying this. I, 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 I want you to know what this talk is not about. It's not like this last-ditch effort. We've got to make a plea to get people to come back to church. Because the mission of Northridge Church is, is 16 words. And if, if you've been a part of Northridge for a while, you know them, right? Go ahead and say them out loud. It's to wake the world to Jesus, show them his love. Go ahead and say it louder. Tell them his truth and involve them. If it was just about getting people to attend church, then our mission would be more like this. Get people to church, show them how to have a good time during service, tell them how to act like Christians while they're here, and then involve them somewhere in our weekend experience where we need them. If that was the mission of our church, I hope you guys wouldn't stay very long because I know I wouldn't. No, the mission is to wake the world up to Jesus, show them His love, tell them His truth, and involve them. The goal of this message is this. I want us to kick the bad habit of not making the church a priority in our lives. I want us to, to reconnect and recommit to the church. But it's more than just attendance. You see, folks, when we step into a faith relationship with God, it's, it's more than just the fact we get to go to church. When we know God is our Lord and Savior, we are the church, Did you catch that? We are the church. And just like our body is filled up of many parts and we need all the parts to be connective and and active, to be functioning, the church body needs all of its members connective in action to accomplish the mission. We are the church. We need to stay connected. Let's kick the habit of not making the church an active part of our lives. Which brings us to the scripture that I want to share with you today that I think just hits this key point home. Our scripture today is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Now, let me set the context of the book of Hebrews. Here's what we know. Hebrews is not a story about a uh, Jewish barista or a coffee maker. Hebrews. Wah, wah, wah. Sorry, guys. Another bad dad joke. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a force of habit. All right. Yeah, right? No. So we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, though. We don't know who they are. We do know that they are formerly Jewish. They know a lot about the Jewish faith, and they have converted to Christianity. They're following Christ. They were in close relationship with Jesus' disciples, those who knew Jesus best, who walked with Jesus during his ministry here on earth. And we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is writing to, but we do know they are also Jewish converts to Christianity. They're in a local church. We're not sure which one, but this church is suffering persecution. The writer of Hebrews wrote this book to encourage Encourage these Jewish Christians to stay committed to their newfound faith. Because what was happening as a result of the persecution, the, the, the Jewish people were reverting back to Judaism and this sacrificial law that, that Andrew talked about earlier where they had to sacrifice animals to receive forgiveness for their sins to connect them to God. But see, Jesus brought us something different. Christianity is this. God loved us so much. He saw us in our brokenness that sacrifices weren't going to work. So he sent Jesus to be the once and for all sacrifice for all time, for you and for me. All right? So the writer of Hebrews is wanting to remind them to stay true to that faith. And I believe he's encouraging us to stay true to our faith. Even In fact, a few verses earlier, it says, let us draw near to God and let us hold unswervingly to this newfound faith. He gives the, that church warnings about how they need to stay uh, called and uh, persevere in their faith. And I believe he's also calling us to persevere in our faith in the same way, which leads us to verse 24. It says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another along toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the, what? Habit of doing. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, 2,000 years ago, they were having the same problem. People were giving up the good habit of meeting together. And the church is experiencing the same thing today. And this was happening even before the pandemic. We are not keeping the habit of gathering together. I believe the writer of Hebrews is warning us that we need to persevere and thrive in our faith. And in order to do so, we need to stay connected to the family of faith. And that is the church. In the time of the book of Hebrews, the, the believers gathered in two main ways. The first thing was they gathered in the local temple. And the reason why they did that is because that was the place that could house the most people at one time. It was also part of their culture. So they gathered together. They, they heard about the truth of Jesus, and they worshiped. But then they also met in their homes, and they talked about Jesus. And, and it wasn't just families meeting together talking about Jesus. It was extended families. It was communities and neighbors gathering together, breaking bread and talking about Christ and and the, the new hope they can have in Jesus. So those are two important ways. You can't do one without the other. We need to stay connected to the family of faith. Therefore, we need to be actively involved in gathering together as believers, as the church. The main point I want to share with you today is that I believe God has given us the church. God has given us the church to help us develop and to grow our faith. Did you hear that? He's given us the church to help us, you and me, develop and grow our faith. And he also gives us opportunities to live it out. I've experienced that in my own life. I can't tell you how many times being connected in a part of the church has grown my faith, has developed me into the person that I am today, and has given me so many great opportunities to live it out. The Bible says that Jesus is the hope of the world and it also says that Jesus is the head of the church. If we are the body of the church, then we are an extension of the hope of the world. I love what Pastor Brad says. He says, the church is the hope of the world when it's working right. The church is the hope of the world when it's working right. And when is the church working right? When all of its members are gathered together and committed We need to kick the habit of not being involved in the local church. Now, I do want to talk briefly about what the church is. Why is it important to make it a habit in our life? When you look in the Bible, the word church, when it's translated from the Greek, it is the word ekklesia. Ekklesia. And and that Greek word simply means this. It's a gathering together with a like-minded purpose. Now, now the Hebrews of that day, when they were using that word ekklesia and translating it into church, they were also referring to it as those who are summoned or the called out ones. So so I find it interesting that the word church in our Bible, it's those who are gathered together with like-minded purpose, but also those who are called out. And if you never thought that the church was important, listen to this. Did you know the word church is used 117 times in the New Testament? It's used 117 times, folks. I think it's pretty important. We need to pay attention. We need to commit ourselves to the church. Now, now, to understand what the church is, I also think we need to understand what the church does. Now, there are so many things that the church does. We could have an entire series, but I just want to share a few facts with you this morning. To see what the church does, let's turn to Scripture. Scripture. Psalm 92, verses 12 and 13, it says this, the righteous, or those who are following God, will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now, now those were two trees that in in Jewish culture and, and where they lived at in the desert, they were strong trees because they developed deep roots. So they were flourishing like a palm tree. But the next part's so important. Planted in the house of the Lord... They will flourish in the courts of God. How do these trees flourish? They're planted in the house of the Lord. What does the church do? It gives us an opportunity to flourish, to thrive in our faith. That's what I want my life to be about. And the times when I'm flourishing, I've noticed there are times when I'm making it a habit to be connected to the local church, to make sure that God is a habit in my life. That's when I'm flourishing. And the times when I'm not, If I notice my habits, I've stepped away. I'm not as actively involved in my faith. What else does the church do? In Acts 2, it talks about the early church, the first church. But in verses 44 and 45, it says this. All the believers were gathered together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Isn't that a beautiful picture? See, what does the church do? It gives us community. It gives us community, what we were created for, what we long for, and what we need in our lives. You know, we had we had an activity last Friday at the Brighton campus. It was a Ridge Kid family movie night. And we had a bounce house for the kids to jump on and play with. We had lawn games. And we're able to meet a, a lot of new families that were coming to church for- or coming to the activity for the first time. And at the end of it, after the movie was done, I was saying bye to some of the people as they were leaving. And one gal was there for the first time. And, and she-, she asked me, Jeff, is it okay if I come on Sunday? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Come on back. We'd love to have you. And she says... I sense a community here that I need more in my life. You see, the church gives us community. And we can experience community outside of these walls, but it's a different type of community. And just like this gal, when the church is working right, what people notice about our community is God working in our midst. God is there. It's a community that people long for. Church gives us community. It also equips us to show others His love. In Ephesians 12, it says Jesus gave the apostles and the teachers and the pastors, the church, he gave us that to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He wanted to equip us for works of service. The church equips us to show others his love. Now, I'm going to embarrass my daughter here for a minute. Several years ago, uh, when she was younger, she was in her public school classroom, and her teacher had called me and my wife in for a parent-teacher conference, and she's telling us the story. They're sitting in a circle with all the students, and there was a little girl who was crying. Now, my daughter has been a part of the church and in Sunday school and learned Bible lessons and all about Jesus. Well, my daughter leans over to the little girl who's crying, and she says, I'm sorry. You know what you need? You need Jesus in your heart. Now, the teacher, her name's Miss S, she she calls on Riley because she heard what she said, and Riley looks up and she says, Miss S, do you know Jesus? Now, at that moment, the teacher's describing this to me and my wife, and I'm like, oh boy, I'm getting a little nervous here, like getting ready to defend my faith. Yes, it's fine for my daughter to share her faith in a public school. And the teacher said this, I answered Riley, and I said, yes, Riley, I do have Jesus in my heart. And then she said this, I have never seen a girl your daughter's age share her faith so boldly. You see, being a part of the church equips us to show other people what they desperately need, and that is his love. Are you connected? Are you making it a habit? This next one is one of my favorites, especially as a former worship pastor. What the church does in our lives, it brings us into God's presence Matthew 18, 20, you saw the verse earlier up on the screen. It's, Jesus says, where two or three have gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Worship was amazing this morning. When we raised our hands and we were saying, holy, 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 are you Lord God Almighty. And when we gather together in worship, God's presence is here with us. Folks, God is here with us right now. And when we encounter God's presence, yes, praise God for that gift. When we encounter God's presence, he changes us. I love talking to people who come to Northridge for the first time, and they get to experience the worship, and they say, Jeff, it it gave me chills. I was moved to tears. It was such an amazing experience. And you know what? The, The one thing that's true for every person that's come back for the first time in person since the pandemic, they always say this to me. I've forgotten what I had missed by being home. I forgot what I missed by being home. There's something special that happens when the church gathers together. It's a communion of souls, and God uses his presence to transform our lives. We need to be committed to gathering together. And finally, I want to share with you this. The church gives us encouragement just like we read about earlier. It gives us encouragement. Hebrews 10, 25, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. When we gather together, we can encourage one another. We can lift up each other. Because when we come in, we're broken, we're hurting, we're struggling. But when we get to meet together, we can encourage one another. Now let's talk for just a minute about what the church is not, okay? What the church is not. First off, it's, it's not a country club. <laughs> the church is not a country club that you can belong to. It's not a place for free coffee or a place with all the comforts of home where you can drop your kids off for an hour for a break. That's not what it's all about. It's so much more important than that. The other thing a church is not, it's not an organization where paid staff do the work of the ministry. I mean, it's great to come in and have service and to be served, but guess what? We... You and I are the church. It's not just about who's paid to do the work here. Remember in Ephesians 2, it says it's to equip his people, the people of the church, to do the work of the ministry. We get to be a part of doing the work of the ministry. It's not just for the paid staff. Another thing that the church is not, it's not an audience. The church is not an audience. Rather, it's a congregation. It's a congregation. And there's a big difference there, folks. I've heard it described like this. An audience is like this jar of gumballs. Okay? This jar of gumballs, now each one is is a different color, some of them are different shape, and and the only reason they're gathered together here is because I poured them into the jar. So I've gathered them together, and they've got a hard shell. They're, They're not really interacting necessarily, other than they kind of bang up against each other, and it's more annoying probably than anything else. There's not really much connection going on in this audience. But what a congregation is, is more like this it's more like this grouping of grapes see see each of these grapes they're they're different shape different sizes they have some similarities but their biggest thing that they have in common is that they are connected to the vine well, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. When we are connected to the vine, we're connected to Jesus. We receive life from Jesus. And the other cool thing about this congregation of grapes is that now we're connected to Jesus, they're all connected to each other. And you know, when I interact these grapes with each other, when I shake them, it's not irritating because the soft outer shell of each of these grapes, they rub up against each other, they polish up against each other, they're receiving life and nourishment, and it's almost like an encouragement. It's it's an organic interaction that happens. That's what the church is, it's a congregation. You guys, when we come in as the church, the walls that we've built up outside of these doors get dropped because we realize we have so much more in common. We are connected. We have the same Father. We have the same Savior. And we have the same Spirit. A church is not an audience. It's a congregation. Now, if we're only focused on what the church does for us, we are missing the biggest part about the church. And really, it's this. It's what we bring to the church. What we bring to the church. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8, it says this, For just as each of us has one body, the human body, it has many members, fingers, toes, arms, legs, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, the church, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's leading, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. You see, what we bring to the church, folks, is our gifts to be used for serving. Our gifts to be used for serving. God is including us in on his mission to use our gifts that he has given us to serve others. That's such a cool opportunity that we have. So really, folks, in essence, we bring ourselves to the church. But in order to bring ourselves to church, we have to bring ourselves to church. Do you follow me? It's so important that we kick this bad habit of of not being engaged and active in the church. So so what next? Well, I want to go back to the question I asked you earlier. Where would you be without the church? I can't imagine. I don't want to think about where I would be had I not been connected and active in the church. I don't even want to think about where my family might be if we haven't made a habit of being connected and growing in our church. Did you identify maybe where you're at with your current commitment to church? Are are you faithfully attended and growing? Are you attending regularly? Are you attending when it's convenient for your schedule? Maybe you often find yourselves only attending online. Now let me stop there. For those of you who are all watching online, here's the truth. I I love online church. The fact that we get to minister to thousands of people all around the world through this gift of online ministry is amazing. And the truth is this, if you cannot physically come to one of our locations, like if you live far away, um, I I encourage you to get connected in a local church, but if you are sick or you're ill or you're unable to make it here physically, please stay at home. If you're on vacation, you're out of town, Connect with us online. That's the beauty of online ministry. But if you're able to go out of, outside of the house, and you go to stores, and you go to restaurants where you eat with your family and friends, or you're interacting with clients throughout the week at work, in person, face-to-face, then you ought to be coming back to church in person. It's so important. In fact, I've heard it described as, as this. The church is really like a marriage relationship. In fact, the Bible calls Jesus the groom and the church the bride. Now, how many of you guys out there are married? Okay, good, good amount of you. My wife and I have been married for, for 20 years now. Is it possible to have a marriage relationship online only? Is, is it possible? Like, like this, maybe we live in different countries, you know, and so we, we connect on Zoom every night. How was your day? Well, how was yours? How are the kids? Yeah, I mean, right? We connect online only. Is it possible? Yeah, it's, it's possible. It's probably not going to be a good marriage though, right? And it's probably not going to last very long because we need physical intimacy in marriage. We need to be connected in person. The same is true for the church. And I want us to, to kick the bad habit of not gathering together. Don't forsake that. Let's make it a habit to be connected in the church. Now, for some of you, maybe this is your first time in church. You were invited here. You came here seeking some answers to questions you have in your life, maybe not knowing what what the answers are and not even understanding what we're talking about. I'm so glad that you're here. The answers you seek are going to be found in Jesus, in God's gift, the gift that he wants to have a relationship with you. And God saw us in our brokenness. He saw us lost and and trying to find a way out. And he made a way through Jesus, like we talked about earlier, dying on the cross for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. If that's you today, your next step is to ask Jesus to come into your life. Accept God's gift of salvation. Believe and receive the way God made out of your brokenness into a relationship with him. In fact, I'd love for all of us just to bow our heads for this moment. If that's you today, then you can accept that gift by just simply praying this prayer with me. You can make my words your words. You can say them out loud or say them in your heart. But I want you to pray this prayer. Just say, God, I am so sorry for not making it a habit of including you in my life. I'm sorry that I've been pushing you out of my life. I've been running from you and the church. I've been trying to get as far away as possible to do life on my own, but God, I can't do it anymore. Thank you for making a way out of my brokenness. I believe that Jesus died for my sins to make a way to have a relationship with you. I ask for forgiveness, and I ask for Jesus to come into my heart to change me so that I may have a relationship with you. Thank you for adopting me in to the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I wanna encourage you to take a, a next step right in this moment. Let us know about that decision that you made. Because we as a church want to come alongside you. We want to get you resources. And and we want to pray for you. and, And help you build a new habit of making God a part of your life. But to do that, you need to let us know. So would you text the word Northridge to 31616? If you text us that, we will get you resources and come alongside you. But church, isn't that exciting? Potentially, people could have just been added to our family. Let's praise God for that. It's awesome to see people added to the family of God. For those of us who have already asked Jesus into our hearts as Lord and Savior, I I wanted to consider your what next. If we don't kick the bad habit that we've been talking about, we are diminishing the potential of what God can do in our lives. God has a better way for us, church. But it's more than just coming in attendance. It's to be the church wherever you are at. And one way that you can do that in a powerful way, think about the two-thirds of the people that I was talking about earlier that are not connected to the church. More than likely, you know who those people are. You have relationships with them. Here's the truth. They're not all gonna come back to church next week because they heard this talk. I mean, that'd be great if that happened. They felt that encouragement. But they might come back if each of us invite them personally to come with you. Invite them to come back. I know you need this in your life. Come back to church. Let's be the church wherever we're at. Because here's the truth, folks. Just like we read about in verse 25, our time on this earth is limited. It's limited. This is so important because as our world gets worse and worse, we need the church more and more a part of our lives. Let's make a new commitment today. Make a new commitment to God and his church. Start a new habit to be engaged and involved. Right here in Northridge Church. Church. I'm so excited to see what God has planned for us, church. He's not done with Northridge yet, and I can't wait to see what he does in and through us. One particular way that you can live that out today, an opportunity that we can be the church in this community is through a new program that we're starting. And in fact, we know it's a new school season starting up. Parents and kids are going out to the stores to buy backpacks and supplies, getting ready for school to start up. And we can share in that excitement, but we can also help some local families that are really hurting by being engaged in a backpack and school supplies collection. We're going to be doing this starting tomorrow, August 9th, all the way through August 29th. And we want to encourage each and every one of you to to go out and buy a backpack and buy some school supplies for families that are in need. It's a great way to show others His love. And you can get involved in a few ways. One is you can text the word backpack to 31616. And we're going to send you a list of school supplies. When you're out in the stores, just pick up those supplies, bring them back to the church, and we're going to donate them to to local families, foster closets for foster children, and schools that are in need. If you don't want to go out and go shopping, you can actually text the word Amazon to 31616. And we're going to send you a link that will take you to a shopping list. You just add those items to your cart, and when you check out, you're going to address Northridge Church Backpack Collection, and Amazon is going to send it right to the church. And if you want some more information about that, you can grab this card on your way out. It's at our front desk, or you can go to our website, northridgechurch.com forward slash backpack. Folks, this is a real practical way that we can show others his love and be the church. Aren't you excited to see what God is going to do through us? Let's make a commitment to build a new habit to be engaged in the church. I'm so glad you guys came out today. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.